Welcome to Church Project. Um, we're glad that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, um, welcome. Uh, we go through the Bible, and it's, we, we think everything is out of the Bible. I mean, every, all of life comes from that Bible, and so we're going to be looking through the Bible. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 17. We're going to be reading verses 20 through 37 today. If you do not have a Bible, um, we have some over on the lamps on the side. You can go and grab one of those or just raise your hand and Kyle will throw it at you. And if you don't own a Bible, that's, that's our gift to you. We want you to have that. Uh, we believe that this is powerful, powerful stuff. Before we get into this message today, I have good news for Dave Shelley. Um, Lauren leaned over and said, yeah, we want to we be a, a, a friendship family. So <laughs> there's, one, there's one less, and I think we need about eight more. So I, I hope that today we all see Dave Shelley and sign up. What a cool thing that um, a lot of us, you know, w- when we get to know who Christ is, we're like, yeah, maybe we can go be missionaries in other parts of the world. God's bringing the, other, the world here to UNC, and through Dave Shelley and their ministry, I mean, he's bringing them here. We can be missionaries in our own town. And so I'd encourage everyone, sign up for a friendship family. So um, enough with that. Let's read through Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 37. And then this is a, this is a powerful, powerful passage. We're going to begin to pick this apart uh, together. So uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 20. Once on being asked by a Pharisee when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of uh, the, the, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Verse 28. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planning and building. But the day of Lot, the, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from the heavens and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and another left. Two women will be grinding grain together, and one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other will be left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Wow. Anybody want to give this message today? 
I, uh, I, I've, I've read through this a ton. I've read a ton of commentaries on this this week. This is a hard passage. Some of you, you're, you're reading NIV Bibles, and those are the Bibles that we have right there, and you notice that even verse 36, there's a, there's a verse that's left out in, in NIV. Uh, some of the, the Greek early Greek manuscripts left verse 36 out, and so it's not even in there. Um, this is contextually a very hard passage to look at. There's a lot of things, like where you see a dead bird, there, you know, whatever, you know, dead body, dead birds. There's a lot of stuff that's hard to understand in here. But as I've been digging into this and I've been praying through this and I've been seeking counsel on this, I'm excited to hear what God has for all of us today. Luke, as Luke wrote, he was a physician. And he wrote the book of Luke as a physician, very detailed, crossed every T, dotted every I. And the reason he wrote this is so that we could know how Jesus lived. And how he walked on earth. And we can pattern our life after him. And so I say, sign me up for that. I want to pattern my life after Jesus. So let's begin to unpack this. And I want to encourage you and just say, congratulations for being here today. For making the decision to invest your life to be a part of the family of God. And the gathering of the local church and the global church. Um, God is doing incredible things here. As we look at verse 21. I smile, and I, and I, I want to just look at a couple verses, 20 and 21. Let's, let's just talk about those for a second. Once I'm being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, and Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. This right here, as we look at verse 20 and 21, this is the present reality of the kingdom of God. This is our reality of the, of the kingdom of God right now, as we sit here right now. And during this time, when Jesus was teaching the Jews, this was a normal conversation and a normal converse, uh, a question that was asked. When is the kingdom of God? When will it come? This is a normal conversation. And some of the responses would come back and some of the answers would be, well, the kingdom of God will come when Israel repents or when people become ritually cleansed or when the Messiah comes or when we defeat the Gentile armies or a particular time of year, you know, or such and such. There are all these things that they would, conditions that they would say about when the kingdom of God is coming. As we look at this, the Pharisees, they asked Jesus this question. When in the kingdom of God, when is it coming? And if you look down to the end of verse 21, he, said, he says, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Some of your translations um, might say that the kingdom of God is within them. And I believe that's, a, that's an inaccurate translation because as Jesus was sitting and he was talking to the Pharisees, they didn't believe that they were looking at the king. And so as Jesus is speaking, I believe a great, um, a, a great translation here, it would read, in your midst, because Jesus is saying, I am the kingdom of God, and I am here in your midst. And the Pharisees, as they asked this question, they were missing the point. Okay, let me explain. How many of you know Nike. Raise your hand. It's okay. The swoosh. How many of you are wearing Nikes right now? Okay. 
It's like going to the CEO of Nike and saying, where can I buy some good shoes? Right? Or, or honestly, it's like even coming to Aaron Havens and saying, hey, do you know a good church in Greeley, Colorado? I'm like, yes, I do. Like, here we are, right? The, 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 the Pharisees, they're coming, these Jews are coming to Jesus, and prophecy is spoken about Jesus for thousands of years, and Jesus is literally right in front of him. He is standing right in front of him, and they are missing the point. Like, he's there, and they're saying, what, what about this kingdom of God? And he is standing. It is possible, listen to this, it is possible that we can lay our eyes on the Savior himself and miss him. Do you know that? The Pharisees were doing it. He was sitting right there talking to him. Their eyes were locked with his. And they were missing the entire point. It's possible for us to do the same thing. Why were they missing the point? I think they were looking for the wrong kingdom. They were looking for a kingdom that was about them. Like they were looking for a, something that was temporal, not eternal. They were looking for someone to come and save them, escape them from the oppression, from the Romans. And they were missing the point. They were looking for something temporal. And Jesus is there and he's presenting a kingdom that's eternal. And they're completely missing the point. What pulls our attention away from Christ? I mean, it's a great question. What pulls our attention away from Christ? It could even be good things, by the way. Good things can even pull our attention away from Christ. Let's talk about church a little bit. Can we talk a little bit about church? How many of you have grown up in church? How many of you have, this is, you know, you've, you've gone to church before. Like, this isn't your first rodeo. Like, you've, you've gone to church. How many of you, you got your church clothes on? You know, you got the, the good church lingo. You know, you got your good Bible that you use. Like, you know, you know how to do this church thing, which I applaud you. That's awesome. If there's a relationship there and it's out of a hunger and passion, I, I applaud you. But I, oftentimes we can even miss God as we come to church. But we come here, and one of the things I love about Church Project is we're biblical. Everything that we do, is, it's going to be based out of Scripture. Amen? Amen. Um, we're going to be simple. We're not going to flash this thing up, obviously. And we're not going to flash this up. Welcome to the cafeteria. Like here, like, here we are. We're not going to flash this up. We believe the gospel is strong enough. We don't want to make it about anything other than the gospel and how it's interacting in your life and how Jesus knew that you needed a Savior and because we were all messed up and wrong. And he died for us, and he's given us a way to spend forever with him and to serve our life with him and to be with him. That's the gospel message. If we walk around and we think we don't need God, then we're full of pride and we're missing him. If you're walking around today, right now, if you're sitting here in this place and you don't have a relationship with God, I say, why not? Why not? Like Jesus is in our midst right now and he's prodding in your heart. He's saying, I want your full attention. Like I want my, this relationship with you. Don't walk life on your own. And oftentimes, this church in America especially, we can flash this thing up and, and we, can make it feel, we can make you feel good as you come and you learn a good moral message and then you walk out the door thinking, yeah, I'm a, I'm a good person, but we missed Jesus in the center of it. 
Church, may that never, ever be us. It's the presence of God living in us. That's the kingdom of God. It's the Holy Spirit. Where Jesus is, there is the kingdom of God. And as we look at these first two verses, they missed him because they were looking for the wrong Savior. Somebody to, to fix the temporal when Jesus was offering a fix for the eternal. Are we looking for the wrong Savior? I think we do at times. May we never be that way. Okay, let's go on to verse, uh, verse 22. We're going to look at 22 to 25. And from here on out, from 22 through 37, this is about what's about to come. This is about um, the, the Jesus Christ coming again. And so when I ask questions like this, what does the apocalypse, when I say apocalypse, what does that stir in you? Just that word apocalypse, what does that stir in you? Some of you are smiling and walking around like this, like zombie apocalypse, right? I mean, we're talking, this is biblical stuff. We're looking, if we look back what Jesus was talking about, I mean, we're looking about end time kind of things, the flood of Noah, the fire in Sodom, zombie apocalypse. We're looking at eschatology. This is what, did I say something backwards again or what? No? Okay. We're looking, at, we're looking at eschatology. The eschatology is a study of end times. And from 22 on, this is what's going to happen. This is future events for us, church. So pay attention and listen to this. Then he said to his disciples. So Jesus has turned to his disciples now. And I love how Jesus turns to his disciples. It's like Jesus is turning to us today. And he wants to tell us something important. So disciples, listen up. Turns to his disciples and says, The time is coming when you will long. The Greek word for this is epithamio. When you will long. Epithamio. A deep desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. Now the Son of Man is a title Jesus called himself. So as Jesus turned and he looks to us as disciples, he says, there's going to be a day when you long, when you desire to see me. But you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running after them. For the Son of Man in this day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things. Since we're talking about future stuff and we're talking about the coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ, he's looking at his disciples and he's instructing them on what's about to happen. And I want to ask you this as Christians. Have you ever just longed for Jesus? I know it sounds weird. I know, I know it sounds just a, a little strange. But have you ever just longed for Jesus? You know, yesterday we had that monsoon. <laughs> I don't know where this rain came from. But I, I was sitting in my office on the floor, and I, and I was just kind of listening to the rain. And it was a very special moment. Now, I, I just started reflecting a little bit and just thanking God. By the way, a thankful heart, man, that is, that is a great thing to have. If you don't have a thankful heart, please work on that. 
but I was just thinking on God and, 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 and thankful and just thinking on him, reflecting on my life. And, and I got a little tear in my eye and I, and I, and I just thought, man, what would it be like, you know, to, to die and be standing before God? And he goes, Aaron, well done, faithful servant. Like, well done, faithful servant. And I thought of Ephesians 2.12. Ephesians 2.12 said, He came to preach peace to you who were far away and far away and peace to those who were near. This world does not have a lot of peace in it, does it? And Jesus is saying, I've come, I'm the Prince of Peace. I've come to give you that peace and to give you that love. Have you ever longed to spend time with Jesus? Do you know this Prince of Peace in your own life? Or is your world spinning in chaos? Jesus is sitting there and he's looking at us and he's tapping us on the shoulder today. And he's saying, I am here. I am the Prince of Peace and I've come to give you love. Do you know this Prince of Peace? We look at these verses right here. You will know when I return, Jesus is saying. I mean, you're not going to have to imagine it, or you're not going to have to wonder whether I return. Like, you're going to know when I return. Just wait for it. Wait for it. Like, I'm coming. My friend, growing up, he lived next to a railroad track, and we did all sorts of crazy things on that railroad track. I won't tell you some of the things, but we put little coins on the, on the tracks and all sorts of other things. But We'd go and we'd put our ear on the track, right? Because you're supposed to hear a train, you know, coming. So we put our ear on the track. I, I always said, oh, I can hear it. I'd never heard anything, you know. But, but it's, it's, like, it's like this. It's like, you know, if, if you want to put your ear on the track and you want to listen for the coming of Jesus Christ, he, the second coming of Jesus Christ, he's, he's telling us in these verses one of the things that you can look for. One of the signs of Jesus returning is suffering and rejection. I mean, look at look at in verse twenty five. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. As Christ's followers, Hebrew eleven thirty six. This is what it looks like for Christ's followers. Maybe not here in this room in Greeley, Colorado, but even around the world today, people that are following Jesus Christ. Some people are dying following Jesus Christ. Some people are walking through Hebrews eleven thirty six. We may not be to this degree yet, but we may be at one time, and it's one of the signs of Jesus coming back is suffering and rejection. Let me read 11, uh, Hebrews eleven thirty six says this about followers of Christ. Some face jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Second Timothy 3.12 says this. Live a godly life, and you will be persecuted. Anybody still want to be a follower of Christ in here? Oftentimes in church, we talk about the flowery things about being a Christian, about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, and, and all that wonderful stuff. But we forget to mention that we're here on mission from a king to a world that needs love. And oftentimes, this message is going to get rejected. And oftentimes, 
we may have to be persecuted. Church, what does persecution look like to you in your life? One of the signs of Jesus coming back is that the persecution and rejection will just be building and be building and be building. In essence, and no persecution and rejection equals, I wonder if we're living a full-out, sold-out life for Christ. So we see the Pharisees in verse 20 and 21. They're missing the kingdom of God. Why? Because they were looking for the wrong Savior. And now as Jesus is talking to us in verse 22 through 25, we could possibly miss him because we're running after the wrong Savior. And Jesus warns that. He says, people are going to say, there he is, there he is. Oh, you're not going to have to worry about it. Like, you'll know when I'm coming back. But don't run after the wrong Savior. And some of us, we live our life and we're running after the wrong Savior. Examples, we run after wealth, health, fame, recreation, shiny things. We run after world peace. And we run after all these things. And Jesus is like, that's not the Savior. I am the Savior. And when I come back, you're going to know that I come back. One of the differences between Christianity and even the Muslim faith, the Muslim faith, and for, for Muslim, you, you work. You work really hard. And maybe you'll attain heaven. But there's one sure way to attain heaven, and that's by dying in a jihad, a jihad, a holy war. If you die in a holy war as a, as a Muslim, then you're guaranteed, like, to heaven status. Like, there you go. Christianity? You don't have to die in a holy war. You have to live a holy life. And you get to live a holy life. And you get to walk around and you get to love. And Jesus gets to unleash his power through you to the world at large. And at times it may mean persecution. How many of you are planning on coming back next week after this message? It's here. By the way, if we weren't walking through verse by verse in this Bible like we are, this, I don't know that I would teach on this because this is so hard to do. And I love this message because it's a beautiful message when we get the depth of it. So let's move on. Verse 26. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Verse 28. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planning and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day that the Son of Man returns. So we look at this. We see eating and drinking and marrying and selling and planning. And those things are not wrong. In fact, those are great things that God has given us. So why were they destroyed? They were living life for themselves. And it was about them. And that, what was wrong. The Old Testament, when we look at the Old Testament, was pointing towards Jesus. The prophets and signs. And people still didn't repent. And we came to the point of Noah. We came to the point of Sodom. The New Testament is full of grace. And, and Jesus offers us this grace in Jesus Christ. And it's the same message for the people of the Old Testament and the same message for us today that there's a Savior and that his name is Jesus. Everything pointed towards Jesus in the Old Testament. 
and everything points towards Jesus in the New Testament. It's about what he has done for us. Now, some of you say, how can a a loving God destroy a world, an entire world with water, flood it? How can he do that? God is a holy and just God. That's one of the attributes of God. Sin ripped apart a perfect union with him between man and God. We sinned, we chose to go our own way, and it ripped apart this perfect union with him. God sent prophets and his own son, and he's been buying back people and redeeming people from the beginning of time. He's been saying, I want a relationship with you. A day in the Old Covenant or in the Old Testament, Jesus said, that's enough. There's not one person that's holy. And he brought on the flood. He brought on judgment. And people today in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, there will be a day when God says, that's enough. And he brings on the end time. He brings on judgment. So what do you think of when you hear the word apocalypse? What do you think of when you hear the word word end time? As a pastor, I've had the opportunity to sit next to beds as people are nearing their final days on earth. As a pastor, I've had the opportunity to sit with people in devastating times. And more often than not, in those moments when life is nearing an end, people question what the afterlife will look like. What's going to happen to them when they die? Regardless of how they've lived their life or not, they'll look up and they want reassurance. And for those that are following Jesus Christ, I can give them all the reassurance ever. But for those that are not following Jesus, I can give no reassurance of anything good. This is a warning for us, and this is a challenge for us, church. That there is a Savior, his name is Jesus. The Pharisees were missing him because they were looking for the wrong Savior. They were looking for one that was going to, you know, fix their temporal problems. We can miss him because we're running after the wrong Savior. Like we go to church when it's convenient. You know, we pray when it's convenient. But life really is just truly about us. And we fit church in and God in wherever we can. That's the wrong Savior. That's the wrong Savior. Jesus says, when I return, I'm going to return. And there's going to be no question about it. It's not going to be like that earthquake we had in Greeley where I'm like, was that an earthquake? I'm not sure. He says, when I come back, I'm coming back. And every eye will know, every person will know that I am here. Regardless of what you thought you believed, God is calling out. He's been calling out from the beginning of time. He wants your heart. He wants your relationship, a relationship with you. Let's get to verse 31 through 37, and and we'll wrap this up. On that day, no one who was on the housetop with possessions inside should go down and get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. 
and one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together, and another one, and, and one will be taken, and the other left. Then verse 36 for some years. Then verse 37, where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Well, if you want to look in First Thessalonians and Daniel, those, those chapters and, and verses and books in the Bible talk about when Jesus is going to be revealed. And that's really good to go and look at if you want to study more about that. Well, I will return one day and I will re- rescue my people is what Jesus is saying. Then I'm going to issue judgment. Some people could be so close to the kingdom of God, yet so, so far away. Some people could be so close to the kingdom of God, like laying in bed next to a person that's a believer, but they're not a believer. They could be so close to the kingdom of God, but they're missing it. They're so far away. We could be chasing the wrong Savior. The time for casual Christianity is over. The time to chase the wrong Savior is over. The time to chase the Savior we think is about us is over. The reality is, in this place, we've all sinned. There's a separation between God and ourselves because of that sin. Oh, but God knew that. And he looks up. And he looks each of us in the eyes. And as he did in verse 22, he's looking at us and he's saying, I want to come back and I want to issue judgment because I'm a holy and a just God. For those that don't call on my name, It's going to be devastating, like verse 37, where there's a dead body, there's just vultures. Think about that morbid picture in your mind. For those that are lost, that's their reality. Oh, but disciples. Oh, but people that have called me Lord and Savior. Your future is completely different. Your life on earth may be difficult. There may be persecution. There may be suffering. You may die. But why? It's because there's a message of love that I'm instilling in you as the church. It's not flashy, it's not showy, and it doesn't need to be because it's eternal. And Jesus is looking each of us in the eyes and he's saying, do you know how much I love you? I desperately love you. Even though you sinned and broke this perfect relationship that we had, I sent my son to die for you. Because that's what I could do. He died on the cross for you so that you wouldn't have to be condemned. And if you call on my name, you will be saved. And there's this wonderful thing called grace. And grace is this. It's a free gift to you from me because I love you. Isn't this a feel-good message? It is if we understand grace. 
It is if we understand that there's not one of us in this room worthy to stand before a king. But he says, I've covered you with my blood. Those that call on my name, I've covered you with my blood. I've issued grace. And now I call you sons and daughters. And so the end times are beautiful for you. When I return, it's beautiful for you. But for those that don't call me Lord, Savior, Master, Messiah, got no hope. I'm going to leave it at this today. It's a weird place to leave it, isn't it? Some of us, though, this may be the last opportunity that, that we've, we're giving church. This may be the last opportunity um, that we could be alive even. And I think it would be a shame to not present the full gospel to you and say, Jesus loves you. Would you call him Savior and Master? Would you surrender control of your life to him? He wants that. He's chasing after you. He wants that relationship with you. This is the part of the message that I pray the most for. Because this is the part I'm going to ask you to just really think about your relationship with God. If you would, just close your eyes, close your Bible. Just sit there and have a conversation with God. The conversation could be as honest as you want it to be. But just say, God, in this place, here I am. If you're comfortable holding your hands out in front of you, just say, God, here I am. I I offer you my life, and I want to receive anything you want to show me today. Like, here I am, God. Would you please speak to me? Some of us, yeah, we've been chasing the wrong things in life. We've been living life like it's about us and not about a king who wants to love the world through us. So some of us in this place, we may need to just have a conversation with God and say, God, I'm, I'm so sorry for chasing the shiny things of the world, living for the, the temporal and not the eternal. Like, who cares what's in my 401k? Like, God, this is about you. All of life is about you. May I chase after you. And God, may my heart long for you. May I long to see you, desire to see you, to live with you, to walk with you, to think like you do, to love like you do, to serve like you do. Like, God, please just transform my heart and my mind today. I want to be more like you. Some of, us, some of us, as we sit here, I mean, it's been a while since we've had a conversation with God. Well, can I tell you this? Just, just be honest with them. Just talk. Just say, God, here I am. He loves you. Do you know that? He desperately loves you. He's chasing after you. 
He wants to spend eternity with you. Some of us, we feel so dirty for the way that we're living our life today. Yeah, if, if, if you only knew what, I, what I've done and what I'm doing with my life, then how can God love me? God died for every sin ever for all time. And he says, will you stop living life for you? Surrender control of your life for me? And that sin, I wipe it away. It's clean. I love you. I want to encourage us just to, just to keep reflecting on God in this place and thanking him for his grace and his love in our life. I'm going to ask us if we would, if, if we'll stand and worship God together. There's multiple ways that we could do that in here. One is, you know, just as we sing this song, we just raise our hands or sing or lift our voices to him and say, God, thank you for who you are. Just worship him in this place. Others, it's just sitting there just in awe of who God is and worship him through that. Others, it is giving in the offering in the back. But I want to encourage us to do this. Let's, let's worship together. If you have a child in Project Kids, you know, here in a little bit, slip out, take your ticket, go retrieve your child, come back in here, and let's worship together as a family. For some of us, though, like there's something stirring in our heart. It's a little bit of pain, it's a little bit of joy, a little bit of sorrow, a little bit of happiness, and we just want to pray with somebody. And so if that's you in this place, we're going to have people up front that would love to pray with you, talk with you, introduce you to God. I mean, just be here for you. And so I'd encourage you to come up and pray and talk to somebody. But in this place, when we see how powerful God is, may we just look in his face and say, God, you are king. You are the Messiah. And let's not miss him in here.